Your reaction to the use of designs determine your way of life. Your reaction to the use of everyday objects is as a result of the designs attached to each one of them. Everything you use has a plan, and its simplicity or complexity determines how well you use them. When something has a sophisticated design, you'll most likely not use it, but when the design is simple, you'll love to use it. Humans spend a considerable amount of time trying to figure out unnecessarily complicated designs. The human mind is trained to rationalize and seek answers, so it's tough to ignore this complexity. Instead, you'll want to solve them. Great designs require communication because it's essential to know when things go wrong or right. A designer should be able to put into consideration some things to aid the simplicity of designs such as, affordance. Affordance is the connection between the components of an object and the functions of the agents that determine how the purpose can be operated. A chair, for example, affords support, which is why it can be used for sitting, unlike a pin. Visibility, the visibility of clues and information help users to navigate developments or changes quickly. When a designer makes something different from the conventional ones people are used to, there must be visible information that lets people know how to operate the advancement easily. Mappings, mappings are the connection between a command and the controls assigned to it. When the mappings attached to controls are detailed in a way that users would understand, then it makes design easy. Assigning two buttons for five functions makes understanding a design difficult. A designer should try as much as possible to assign a certain number of buttons to a certain amount of tasks. Feedback. Feedback is critical to any design. A lot of designers overlook the power of feedback, thereby reducing their knowledge of user opinion about a product. When users get feedback on command, they know when they've done the right thing or the wrong thing. Feedback confirms the action and then gives a result so users can understand the next step to take. Conceptual models, these are simplified examples that show a hint of what an object does. It's a brief insight towards what's expected of an action. Mental models, this involves information in design that explains its uses without written or branded information. It's when a design has been created in a shape or form that makes it hard to make mistakes because there's little chance for it. The human mind reacts to designs and errors in different ways. The way people react to a fault in design is mostly a misunderstanding of action and a coincidence of situations. A lot of times, people tend to blame themselves for the problem of a design's fault, whereas the fault has nothing to do with their ability. When asked to evaluate a colossal computer brand, Don Norman discovered that he had a problem with the computer keyboard because the enter button and the return were placed too close to each other, thereby causing him to hit the wrong button. When he complained to the designer, the designer said other people were using the keyboard without complaints. Upon asking the other workers, they confirmed that they were having the same problem but didn't complain because they felt it was their fault. Designers should limit the number of possible errors and try as much as possible to make errors reversible because if an error is possible, someone will make it. Humans are filled with misconceptions of things. The misunderstanding about certain things makes humans vulnerable to making mistakes with designs. Take the thermostat, for example, a lot of people believe that pushing the thermostat to the highest level of heat makes the room become very hot in little time, but this is not so. The idea behind the thermostat is that pushing it to the highest level only keeps the thermostat on longer, thereby producing more heat. A lot of times, you blame the wrong cause simply because of a coincidence. When something goes wrong, you find a cause to attach it to without checking if the cause is right or wrong. This makes you blame the wrong thing and hinders you from finding a solution. 
People attribute faults to themselves, believing that they don't have the mental, physical or psychological ability to execute a task. They avoid projects simply because they've made errors a few times, so they feel the need to avoid the project. When you miscalculate a situation based on feedback, it's hard to understand where the problem is from, and you wrongfully blame the equipment. There are seven stages of actions that explain the way people do things, forming the goal, forming the intention, specifying an action, executing the action, perceiving the state of the world, interpreting the state of the world, evaluating the outcome. When people use stuff, they are faced with two gulfs, namely the gulf of execution and the gulf of evaluation. The gulf of execution is where users try to figure out how an object operates. They want to know if the actions provided by the system match those intended by the person. As with the case of a movie projector that poses a probe first Timmer's time users, the issue was that their actions didn't match with that of the movie projector. The gulf of evaluation is where you try to figure out what happened. You want to know the amount of effort required to interpret the physical state of a device and get feedback on how well the interpretations have been met. Feedback in a simple conceptual model is what a designer needs to understand how to bridge the gap between these two gulfs. Information is the basis on which designs thrive. Don Norman borrowed his friend's car once. When he was about to leave, he found a note that told him that he could only get the key out of ignition if the gear was in reverse. Without the note, he wouldn't have known, and this problem is very common among humans. Not all knowledge has to be mastered in the head. Some information should be written down so that people can look at them and easily remember. In most supermarkets, some signs display, please mind the glass. In a situation like this, anyone who sees the sign would know or remember that there's glass there every time. Precise behavior doesn't always have to be mastered in the head, it can be partly mastered and partly written down. Precise behavior can emerge from imprecise knowledge for four reasons, information is in the world, great precision is not required, natural constraints are present, cultural constraints are present. Behavior is determined by the addition of internal knowledge, external information, and constraints. Information is everywhere around you in the world, and this information affects your behavior. This means that people can ultimately determine the kind of behavior they want to exhibit. They can tune their environment to support their behavior because they know what is expected of them. Life requires reinforcement of ideas and repeated information to go on smoothly. Relying on internal memory to execute an idea is not enough, you need reminding to be able to keep to your plan effectively. If you have an appointment for a particular period, your head is not safe enough because you might forget. Exploring other options like setting reminders or pasting the appointment where you can easily access it reduces the chances of you forgetting the appointment. Knowledge in the world helps us recover structures that we would otherwise forget, but that's not to say that knowledge in the head is inefficient, the two should be combined to achieve correct behavior. To avoid mistakes, designers can allow for constraints as a method of limiting the placement of the wrong objects into the right places. There are four kinds of constraints, physical constraints, a large pen cannot fit into a small hole, and a small pen won't key into a large hole. These constraints limit errors and pass as information themselves. When you're trying to assemble something, you can tell which object will fit a particular hole by merely looking at the size or by trial and error with the physical constraints. Cultural constraints, these are like a set of rules that help humans maintain a sense of coordination and understanding. The red light at the rear of a car can be physically interchanged with the yellow light in front of the same car, but it won't make sense culturally because the yellow light is brighter than the red light. 
Also, red is perceived by a lot of people to mean stop, which is why it's the color assigned to brakes of vehicles. Logical constraints, logical constraints help you to make decisions that are not associated with any other constraint. When you use a mobile phone, and you want to charge it, logic tells you that the only place possible for you to put it is where the charger fits because the other holes don't look the part. Semantic constraints. Semantic constraints rely on the meaning of a situation to determine the set of actions that are possible. Meanings change, which means controls change too. A steering wheel of a car means the only logical way through which the car can be moved is by using the steering wheel. Also, steering right means the car moves to the right, and steering left means it moves to the left, turning the car left won't move it to the right and vice versa. Slips and mistakes can make your designs difficult to understand and use. Two types of errors are peculiar to humans, they are, slips, mistakes. Slips are errors that occur as a result of subconscious automatic behavior. Slips are misplaced actions where small things undo an intended performance. Most of the errors people make daily are slips, and they are most easily discoverable. There are various types of slips, some of which are, capture slip, this is when another activity, especially a frequent one, replaces a current activity subconsciously. It happens when you unconsciously switch between replacing your current activity with a frequent one, for example, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, queens, jack. Here, you've replaced the numbers with cards subconsciously. Description error. This happens when you intend for an action to happen in a particular place, but it ends up happening somewhere similar. This happens when the description of your intended goal is similar to one or more objects around. A man had just come back from jogging when he rolled up his sweaty shirt and tossed it into the water closet instead of the laundry basket. His mind unintentionally places his shirt into the water closet because the opening of the water closet and the laundry basket share similar description. Data-driven error. This is the type of error that occurs when you switch one data for another without knowing it. For example, when you dial a room number instead of the clerk's number. Associative activation error. This has to do with reacting to a situation based on associative default answers. It can happen when you pick up the receiver of a telephone and say, come in, instead of, hello. Loss of activation error. It so happens that humans tend to forget the reason why they are making an action unless they go back to a previous state to remember. When you walk to your room from the kitchen, you may forget why you're going to the place, and you might not remember why until you return to the kitchen and find something to trigger your brain to remember. Mode errors. Mode errors occur when devices have different modes of operation with different meanings attached to them. This is common with switches where switches with similar shapes and looks are placed together but with vastly different functions. Mistakes, on the other hand, come from conscious deliberations. Unlike slips, mistakes are significant events, and the errors could be very costly. When mistakes are made, it's very hard to correct them because of the damage they might have caused. The information available for a mistake to happen is most times incomplete or grossly misleading. No one is immune to errors. Errors would always be made, but as a designer, it should be a must to reduce the possibility of a mistake as much as possible. When designers make mistakes, it renders their work difficult, and it makes it hard for their subsequent markets to sell. It is not easy to avoid errors, but for designers who want to, here are some tips on how to avoid errors. Understand the causes of error and design to minimize those causes, make it possible to reverse actions, make it possible to detect errors that do occur, and make them easier to correct, change the attitude towards errors. Think of an object's user as attempting to do a task, getting there by imperfect approximations. 
Don't think of users as making errors, think of the actions as approximations of what is desired. It is important to note though that warning signals are not always the answer. Consider the buzzing tone that comes in when you open the door of your car while the key is still in the ignition. The idea behind the tone is to make sure you don't forget your keys in your car, but what if you want to temporarily open your door while the key is still in or you want to hand someone something, does the tone recognize your actions? The answer is no, unfortunately. Some of the problems of these built-in warning features are that they can go off in error, they conflict at times, and they can be very inconvenient. A lot of times, errors in design are not entirely the designer's fault because the designer also has constraints that limit how much attention can be paid to innovation. Some restrictions like a competitive market, and having to make a stamp of individuality and brand on a product that works well in its natural state. Professional designers mostly don't do real work. They only oversee the work done by engineers and a host of other staff. Most of these designers have people who operate their designs for them, and this makes it difficult for them to be familiar with the problems affecting their models. Also, the designer's clients might not be end-users. Office directors hardly operate anything on their air conditioners other than switching it on and off. Refrigerators are mostly plugged, and barely regulated by the end-users, as long as the clock is working, it doesn't matter how it's set to a lot of people. Also, there are special designs for special people. A fully fit man would find it difficult to drive a car specially made for amputees. Driving a right-handed car where it's supposed to be a left-handed lane is bound to make the design look very difficult and inconvenient. Designers are open to problems that can slowly kill their work without them realizing it. Some of the problems are, creeping featureism. Creeping featureism occurs when a designer incorporates all the demands of users and potential users into a design, thereby making it more complex and less appealing. To avoid this mistake, designers must learn to avoid to a great length, the number of functions and updates they incorporate into their designs. They can also make use of effective organization to categorize new features and updates so that users can easily find them and decide if they want to use it or not. The worshipping of false images, customers tend to fall for the appearance of an object without examining if they can operate it or not. A designer should not be deceived by this because admiration is different from purchase. How to transform difficult tasks into simple ones. The whole idea of the psychology of everyday things poet, is to ensure that a design should have several characteristics such as, make it easy to determine what actions are possible at any moment. Make things visible, including the conceptual model of the system, the alternative actions, and the feedback. Follow natural mappings between intentions and required actions. Design is easy if the principles that guide it are followed accordingly. There are seven principles that can help transform seemingly difficult tasks into easy ones. Use both knowledge in the head and knowledge in the world. Simplify the structure of tasks. Make things visible. Bridge the gulf between evaluation and execution. Get the mappings correct. Exploit the power of constraints, both natural and artificial. Design for error. When all else fails, standardize. Good designs come from good ideas, but great designs come from constant feedback and steady updates. The world evolves daily, and with it, newly improved products become easy to own but complex to access. Most people don't have time to read manuals, and for some who do, the manuals are too complex to be understood at all. A designer's work doesn't stop at innovation or creation, it goes on with maintenance and repair at all times to keep up with the market and stay relevant for as long as possible. Errors happen, but they are avoidable to some extent, and this is the extent that designers should aim for.
As a designer, you must always be ready to understand the errors that are on the ground and try your best to correct them so they won't happen again. Conclusion People are not always put off by a product, in a lot of cases, they are frustrated at the design of the product. Users want advanced products with enough simplicity and usability that would enable them to access the features of a model without stress. Designers are innovators, which is why it is essential for them to follow outlined principles to make sure that their designs are not too complex and that their designs should be as error-free as possible. Try this, go over your design, make sure it's not complex, test its usability and ease of access. Get enough feedback and re-evaluate your products using the feedback.